Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon. We have 14 employees, over 650 titles in print with 20 to 40 new books per year, and we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we invite a special guest, Laura Q, author of the brand new book, A Tight Squeeze. It looks so good. Look Thanks. at that, there's a bike on the back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Hello. Good afternoon. Mm -hmm. Laura, do you want to introduce yourself to our podcast listeners and tell us a little about you and your book? Absolutely. Okay. So I know. I'm Laura Q. I use and they pronouns, as just mentioned. I, uh, the author of the soon-to-be-published uh, T for T section, uh, Aware. Um, I was briefly featured in Glad Day 50. Uh, one of my first smut stories turned up in there. Um, a zine to support the wonderful Glad Day bookstore in Toronto. Um, and yeah, no, absolutely thrilled to be here talking about the book. Yay. Well, um, and do I remember correctly, is this your first book? Absolutely. Yes. This is the first major thing anywhere I've written. Oh, what, where, what was the sort of origin of the book? Like what inspired you to put all of these stories together? The uh, so it came out of as with so many things the last couple of years, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that hit in March 2020, I was suddenly left with a lot of time on my hands. I'd been working a, a boring office job beforehand and not having to turn up 40 hours a week in an office and look and be present. Uh, gave me a, a lot of time to A, think on a lot of gender things that had been bubbling for a while, uh, and then B, I wasn't able to meet new people, talk things through, figure things out for myself. And so I did the next best thing and put metaphorical pen to paper uh, and started figuring myself out that way. Um, and yeah, the first couple of stories came out of that. I wound up getting involved with Toronto's Glad Day Smut Peddlers event, um, which is a wonderful showcase of uh, queer smut writers up here. Um, and the stories started to flow from there. So um, as they kept coming, I decided to try and pull a bunch of them together. And this is the end result. Well, you have 12 stories in here. Um, are these like the first 12 that you wrote? Or did you have like more that you chose between? Or like, yeah, how did um, I got involved in editing a little later in the process? And so I didn't see like how it first came together. But. So is there's one or two in here which had their origins oh, maybe like six or seven years ago oh, just okay. uh, early drafts or i've been tinkering around with writing smut for far too many years uh some very regrettable things out there on the internet that i will not link you to um 
Beautiful. Yeah, some of these they've been bubbling for a while, but then when I sort of put my head down in earnest in 2020, most of the rest of them came from that. Some of those earlier ones got significant rewrites and sort of redrafted in that period. There were a couple that almost came together, but didn't quite, I, I couldn't quite close the loop on them or the, they went off in a direction that didn't quite fit everything else in the book. So there are probably another dozen plus stories in anything from like a, a germ of an idea to mostly finished but just not quite in the right uh sort of vibe for this so there is more coming who knows when but more more in the barrel and that's like one of the biggest advantages of your first work is you can sort of call from like everything that you've learned and you know it can be like, I mean, I guess in the case of like a collection, it can be a greatest hits of what is appropriate, you know, and pretty much, uh, yeah. And, you know, and so that's often like the thing where you're like, there's just, you know, the world is your oyster. You don't know what you don't know. But, you know, in many ways, a person's second book is usually like everything they've written since their first book, <laughs> you know, so you have like something of an advantage that you have like more of a backlog. I'm definitely looking ahead. I'm starting to feel that, you know, the, the sophomore album worry of, oh no, I did this and now I've got two years to do the exact same thing again. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you have like, no pressure on myself from that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So speaking of no pressure, do you have a favorite story in this volume? Tell us about it. So. The, the, the centerpiece and my absolute favorite has got to be Lockpick Girls. It's the, the biggest one. It sits slap bang in the middle. That was that was the labor of love through the whole thing. It that was it ballooned to about twelve or fourteen thousand words at one point, and I had to try and pull it in a little bit. But it was definitely the the biggest and most ambitious piece in there, and the one that I feel sort of proudest of how it all pulled together. Uh, it's also one of the ones that showcases Toronto first you know really up front in it which is one of the things I wanted to really weave through this book is there's, there's a lot of hometown love in it. Totally and so can you give us like a quick summary of the story like what is it about? Yeah how would you describe it to somebody that like isn't familiar with the book or your work? So it is a love story between two trans femmes set in post-condopocalypse Toronto. Um, so looking 20 to 40-ish years in the future, there's some weird future tech in it, but the uh, the city is basically on the brink of collapse following far too much condo development. So just, it, it is not that, you know, much of a stretch from where we're currently sitting in the course we're on, but there's, there's a lot of hope for a different route uh, in it. And I love I love that one of the plot points is that one of the women in the story is always going off to like raid sort of loot condos, abandoned condos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's how they're living is they're like on the things that they find there, which I just loved. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's great. It really draws you in and you feel like you really get to know um, the characters. And like, I, I was really rooting for them the whole time. I love the story. And, and so like, what was your motivation with like the bike punks theme or like that aspect of, you know, the collection? I mean, that's very much my life. Um, I've been a, you know, 
a, a Toronto cyclist for almost 15 years now. I've been doored half a dozen times. I've broken countless bones and I keep on jumping back on it. There's nothing that's going to stop me from pushing for more bike lanes, from wheeling around and fixing my bike on random corners. Like it's, there's a lot of me in various ways throughout this collection. And a, a large part of Lockbook Girls really showcases the like, if I was to transport myself 25 years into the future and be stuck in this crumbling wasteland of a city, I would still be biking around. I would still be stomping around in Doc Martin. <laughs> So Lockpit Girls and a few other stories in the series are very science fictional in different ways, like we have First Contact, which has some great alien sex scenes, and um, the, opening, do. the opening story, Kindling, also has like this sort of supernatural element, and one of the final stories, After Hours. One thing I have noticed actually, we've now done, I think, four of these volumes of Queer and Consent books by four or five, yeah. four or five by different authors, and they all do contain strong science fiction and fantasy elements. Is that like a thing with queer smut, or is that a thing? A lot of you are coming from the same scene in Toronto. Is that like a yeah. thing of your scene? Like, can, can you analyze this at all? I, I think it comes up in some people's work more than others. I think that like from a political standpoint, I really think there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, speculative fiction coming from queer and trans authors because there's a lot of reimagining the world that we do in terms of, okay, this is where we are. This is what we want to fight for. These are the ways that, you know, the, the world is shitting on us and we want to push back against it. Uh, there's a, a quote I saw recently somewhere about, you know, dystopian fiction is what happens when you take something's happening to a minoritized group and expand it to happening to everyone. Mm. And I think that's as queer and trans authors, you see the ways that we are being picked on and singled out, and particularly with laws across the US right now. And it, you know, it, it doesn't take much to just say, okay, well, what if this was happening to everyone? Or what if we follow this thread the way it's going six months, five years, 20 years into the future, where does this wind us up? Um, yeah, and it's, it's partly the you know dystopian imaginings, but it's also the utopian imaginings of where we could go and what we dream of rather than what we're scared of. Right, that's an excellent way to frame it is to like show this is what we face every day, you know, rather than like, I, and, and I, I like that, I've not, I've not heard that before, but that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, especially with these series where, you know, there's like sort of a, formula to this kind of story but yeah people have taken it i mean at least in like our series which is maybe less of a formula series than most but like it's very imaginative in the way that like people have approached it and you know probably also has something to do with the fact that like you're a lot of you are coming from the same scene you know is that do you feel like you influence yeah. each other I mean, in I... that way oh, i'm sorry Oh, absolutely. There's a couple of stories in here where if you are ever, if you ever make it to a Smut Peddlers event and you hear some of the other readers, you can say, oh, I can see that you edit each other's work. <laughs> um, one, of my favorite, like one of my favorite fellow authors is uh, Kel Hardy, um, who writes very sort of 
dark, heavy, kinky, butch for butch stuff fairly frequently, which is not a lot of what my stuff leans into, but if you read a story like uh, 1-800-Build-A-Boy and you know any of Kel's work, you can immediately see that kind of crossover. And, you know, if you've read, you know, I mean, you've obviously read MJ Lyons' uh, Queer Werewolves Destroy Capitalism, the sort of fantastical approach to near future or alternate Toronto. Same sort of thing. There's, you know, how can we reimagine our city in weird queer trans ways is a thing that you see coming up repeatedly here. There's, you know, whether it's a scene or just like a small group of us that happen to work together, I, I feel like there are there are similar ideas that come up and get taken in very different directions by different people. Mm -hmm. So if somebody listening to this was like, where do I find more high quality queer smut? Like, where would you send them to? I mean, my recently I've been pointing a lot of people toward the Queer and Consent series of, you know, they're, whether you are looking for, you know, the, the more like, you know, cis gay male focused or, you know, trans masculine stuff, there are, you know, a wide range of different things in there. Um, I also just, again, to plug them, Glad Day Bookstore, the oldest uh, LGBTQ bookstore in the world in Toronto, has a spectacular selection of, uh, things there and I, I believe they ship all over Canada um, and you know the, if I'm looking for smart those are my first two steps first two ports of call absolutely mm, that's yeah that's I mean and MJ kind of went viral this weekend I don't know if you caught that oh I have not some very exciting uh, you know just let's just say natural interest in uh, unnatural erotica <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and you know and, and like uh it's that's been neat to see you know and and it's it's neat too because it shows that there is interest in this kind of thing and you know something i never really thought about until it was pointed out to me is that most erotica is written even like queer erotica is written by like cis women which i had never you know, I just had to like stop to focus on that. And so is there like a visibility element in your group or do you feel like it's like, um, you know, you're, do you, do you feel like somewhat responsible for showing another way? Um, partly, yeah. I mean, so part of where this collection came from was that I was looking for trans-focused smut. And a lot of what you find is very clearly written by cis men, or you know, there's a fantasy take on what trans women are like or what they want trans women to be like. Mm -hmm. um, and I've found some wonderful, you know, very heartbreaking, often trans femme written fiction. But that's you know, where sex does come up in that. It's very realistic and very part of their lives and not the focus mm. um and I, I think it was when i started writing this i only knew of one trans focused erotica collection the uh nerve endings new trans erotic that toby hellmeyer edited which is phenomenal mm -hmm. but once I, I i found that i read it i devoured it and i went looking for more and i just didn't see anything else um and you know, I didn't feel like I had to, you know, be a spearhead or push forward into this. And I'm sure there is other, you know, trans femme written smut out there that I just haven't stumbled across. But 
part of it was, well, I'm I'm not finding it. I'm gonna make it. You know, the sort of DIY ethos of like, well, if it's not there, someone's gonna make it. And if I'm not the best at it, then at least I can start something. Well, I just imagine so many people will be inspired to write by your stories. Like they're so, um, like you're you're a really good writer, um, and you obviously have put so much of yourself into these and so much heart into them. And like the thing that really strikes me about it is just like how sweet everybody is in it like there's even some like kind of like um stories with consensual violence and they're so sweet to each other and like in every single one and i was just like i want to know all of these people i want to hang out with them and it did make me feel like like yeah like real people can write real books so i mean do you have advice for other people who want to write queer smut and put it out there uh, I think that the number one piece of advice is to actually write. That was the hardest thing for me that between, you know, the pre-pandemic when I didn't have the time and I, you know, I would occasionally here and there sit down for a couple of hours and work on a thing. And, you know, some of these stories are six or seven years old and they took me months or a year to write in, you know, two hour bursts here and there. Whereas when I had, you know, all the time in the world sitting at home with nothing to do and I would just sit down for six hours and you know not that you need to sit and write in chunks like that but when I had the time to just go at it and make it happen it it came from there um I had an idea it could be you know the, the smallest germ of an idea but actually sitting down at a computer and just slogging away at it and coming back to it over and over finished product might not look anything like where I started, but just doing the work and showing up and doing the writing, that's where these all came from. Like there is hours and hours and hours of work in this. And that's, you know, that that is why they wound up fin being finished pieces because I just turned up and wrote repeatedly. And, you know, the ideas will come, sometimes they'll change. Sometimes, you know, just reading a phrase or something popping into your head is all it takes to think, oh, I'm going to go off in this direction. And then following that thread, you know, it's the that thing of, you know, how do you carve a marble statue? You start with a block of marble and you carve away all the stuff that isn't the statue. It's, you know, you got to start with a blank page and put all the things into it to make a story. Right. And, you know, and I mean, I say it on the podcast, I think every week that the best books are like when you try to create the world that you would want to live in or the reflection of yourself or the way that you would want to shape culture or even, you know, just, and, you know, because it's like, then you can show that that's possible to the next person just as much as like, you can then have that exists for yourself, you know, it's like, and, you know, and I, I really, yeah, I, I too, look at you know like it i like that you put a lot of yourself into the book as much as it's like through characters you know and yeah. um and so do you are those the kind of books that resonate with you where there's a lot of the creator and like a lot of uh well you know i mean i think i'd say like most people resonate most with books that feel more rarer but like is that the kind of work that you're attracted to to read absolutely i think there's this thing 
you feel the resonance when you can tell that someone is actually in it themselves. And I think this uh, this goes to what Ellie was saying about, you know, that there are, there's a sweetness to everyone in this. And that is the world that I want to see, that I want to build, that I want to encourage that, you know, my relationships are more than work, more than writing, more than anything else in my life. That is what I care about and where I put my time and efforts into. And I think you can see that in the ways that the characters interact with each other and the ways that they prioritize each other. Yeah. That is what I'm trying to do in my life and trying to show that you can do in your life in a world that is all, you know, hustle culture and, you know, trying to be the top of your game and whatever. And, you know, I'm going to hustle in my fucking relationships, not in my work. Um, and yeah, the, the 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 works that I read, the fiction and nonfiction I read that really resonates with me are the ones where you can see the the love and the rawness and the vulnerability. Um, I was lucky enough earlier this week, uh, Buddies in Bad Times Theatre in Toronto was doing a book launch for three incredible uh, trans femme authors, uh, A. Light Zachary, Hazel Jane Plant, and Casey Platt, during a joint book launch event. They all did a reading at it, and through each of them, the you know, whether it was poetry or a short story or a, a, a section of their novel they were reading, you could feel, you know, all the characters were fictional, but there were reflections of each of them shining through in it, that it wasn't just, I'm going to reach into an identity I don't know and haven't lived and build a magical, fantastical character here and guess what their world is like. There's the reflections, however much in each character of the authors that come through and make it real and make you feel a connection to it rather than, oh, this is just a fictional telling. Totally, totally. I mean, one of my other favorite stories and I think the sexiest story in the volume is the last one, A Good Date, which is like about a person being really kind to themselves. I won't say anymore. You've got to read it <laughs> if you want to learn just how. But I, yeah, I feel like that kind of sums up the whole ethos. Is like, it's not just your relationships with other people; it's your relationship with yourself that's being honored in this yeah. volume. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually write about that in the intro to the book. The the two book ending pieces, the first and last in it, are solo pieces. They're each about a trans feminine person connecting with their own body and their own needs and wants and desires. And that's, you know, the reading erotica is not always as, you know, glad to event show, but like quite often it is a, a solo activity. You're reading it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and as much as it can be hot to read about two or more people doing whatever together, there is also, there's really something to be said about the eroticism of the self and love for and understanding of yourself and not relying on anyone else or focusing too much on anyone else's pleasure when your own is so key and so important. Right. And yeah, I think about, I, I really like what you said about the hustle culture, but like for relationships and making that the focus. And yeah, and I think that's really something that, you know, and I, I never read erotica, and I think a lot of that is because is it, I never saw it as a genre that reflected my values, you know, mm-hmm. and right. so it like never drew me into it, and that, or, or rather, every example I saw was like opposed to my values, yeah. let's say, and so, and then, so it wasn't until like we started doing these that I was like, 
oh right like you can make anything interesting you just have to like re-envision it radically and so like did you have influences like outside of the scene that you're a part of or like were you pulling from like where where did you get this idea of like focusing on the relationships between the characters to model good behavior? Um, I, I don't think I was specifically aiming for it to be a model. I wasn't, there's the like, yes, I want to see more of this in the world. It certainly don't mean this to be a preachy piece, um, but it, <laughs> um, I mean, partly it is just, I've been, I've known I was queer for over 20 years now. I've been, non-monogamous for almost as long like relationships became a very key focus in my life very early and that has influenced a lot since then i also i graduated in 2008 the big financial crisis you know i was on a path of like you know get you know get a degree get a job white picket fence you're all sorted and instead i graduated was unemployed for six months started working part-time retail and that really changed my relationship to work in general and from there i you know if i can't rely on the system that we're in i've you know as fucked as capitalism is what can i focus on what can i care about and the people around me and the queer community I have in a city was the thing I was able to rely on the thing I was able to fall back on and focus on and you know make central in my life I work to be able to live not vice versa um, and you know I think that is a, a large part of that um, and then yeah like queer art has really um, influenced the ways I look at, you know, what matters, what's worth fighting for, and what do I care about? And it's not, it's not the money. It's not, um, you know, exposure or trying to be famous or whatever. It's this is the way I want to live my life. These are the the values I want to hold dear. These are the relationships I want to prioritize. And I think that just infuses itself in the ways that I approach almost everything I do um whether it's turning you know finding myself jobs where I finish up at 5 p.m clock out leave don't check my emails again or whether it's you know writing stories where it's very clear that all the characters care about all their relationships a lot as well mm -hmm. well do you have um any other artistic pursuits or plans that you're excited about right now um, I'm looking at my first erotic comic right now. Um, I've got a, a lover and a collaborator who's a really astonishing artist, and we're looking at you know figuring out a something in that realm. Um, I also made an impulse purchase of a tattoo gun recently. Um, <laughs> it's, it's going interesting places. Um, so that has those are my new. Uh, my new artistic pursuits, but I'm also carving out time to, to write smut again after nice. I took a long break after finishing up the editing of this book. I just needed yeah. time and space away from it. But uh, there's been some ideas just scratching at my brain. Um, some of those early, you know, germ ideas that didn't go anywhere in time for the book. Some of the ones that almost but didn't quite make it that I've now got more ideas about how to tinker with or re-envision. Um, and I'm starting to starting to delve back into oh maybe maybe I can carve out a couple hours to do some writing here and there again. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I really like what you said about mutual aid being like the guiding principle that like you can't count on capitalism, but you can like count on each other to be supportive. And I feel like that, yeah, and I feel like that does come through loud and clear in the book. But it's interesting to hear you connect that too, because like I wouldn't have like connected those dots from that, you know. But it's yeah. like I think, and I and it's like a harder thing. I think for other people to understand who don't have that kind of a community or support system or network, because, you know, it's like, I th you know, I think a lot of people like really are on their own, you know, or like they don't have, like maybe they have family or something, but it's harder to understand this kind of like a subcultural or like a community of like mutual marginality and like according to need. So, like, can you maybe, like, frame that out a little bit more for people that wouldn't be as familiar with it? Um, like even yeah, I mean, I think that... Examples in practice, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, just to, you know, so it'll be less vague. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been living in Toronto for 15 years now. I've been part of the queer community for almost all of that, and I've built up a really delightful network of people who I can rely on in all kinds of ways. Um, I was, um, I, I took uh, some medical leave recently um, and the number of people I was able to reach out to, whether they're, you know, very close, you know, partners of mine who live nearby, friends in other cities, friends on the other side of the world now, um, who would, you know, have a Zoom call with me to keep me, you know, lift my spirit or people who would drop by with meals or it is not it doesn't always need to be a big thing it's just showing up for the people that you care about in whatever ways they need whether that's you know a phone call to check in on them or you know dropping off some food and then heading away so you know they're not in a space to be social or you know staying the night if they're not feeling great whatever you know and these are interdependencies that i've you know, I've got the 3 a.m. phone calls and gone to the ER with a friend when they've needed me. I've done the exact same. I'm going to, you know, cook a big bat curry, freeze it in 12 bags and drop it up in someone's freezer because I just did top surgery. Um, you know, these are the interdependencies that I feel they work well in person, but you don't need to be in-person connections. I have a friend in the, you know, in Australia who was a, you know, consistent once a week, talked on the phone, how are we doing, updating you on your life. Um, these are these are the networks and communities that have taken a long time to build that I feel so thankful for and that I feel really exists so much more in queer and trans communities because there is often, you don't have the reliance on or the closeness to blood family, that, you know, that there is this marginalized community that is turned inwards to itself and relies upon each other in whatever ways we each need. Um, and yeah, like, fuck capitalism, fuck the system, fuck whoever's not taking care of you, take care of each other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a great message. And have a lot of fun, sweaty stories to read. <laughs> <laughs> That's also in there, yes. <laughs> All part of the plan. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine from high school came out recently, and, and she was like, 
you don't understand. There's like all these people that like suddenly appear in your life and take care of you. And I was like, well, I, that is kind of like the subcultural world I come from, but like she was more of a nihilistic type person up until recently. And then was like, whoa, this is like no life I've ever lived. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, there's, there's something to that. It's like, there's a value to looking out for other people, you know? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of self-sufficiency that is pushed in society, um, particularly when you're on the, you know, the, the straight and narrow, um, you know, you're supposed to get a job, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, build your family, you know, you get neighbors, you maybe get some friends, you might be able to rely on family, but you don't have community in the same sense um, when you, you know, live in a suburb or stuck in a condo and don't know any of your neighbors. Um, you know, there's, it, it takes something to shake you out of that, whether it is, you know, queerness, transness, kind of, you know, being minoritized by the dominant majority of society that makes you realize that you can't rely on the system, but you have the, the silver lining, the bright shining piece of, oh, but I can rely on these people. And yeah. So what would you like to see, how would you like to see things evolve within like the production of books or culture or like dialogue within those communities next? I want to see more voices represented. I want to hear more like, you know, I am a trans femme writer, but I'm also, you know, white and middle class and, you know, well-educated, quote unquote. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of advantages that led me to be able to sit and write for six hours at a time, to, to be able to have a deadline on this book that I was able to meet because I had a comfortable job that supported me through it. Um, and I would love to hear from, you know, more marginalized voices, more queer folks, more trans folks, you know, BIPOC trans folks, people who are writing books on their phones, people with all kinds of different experiences to mine and other folks. Like I want to see and hear from them and get insights into their worlds in a way that, you know, hopefully this book gives an insight into mine. Um, I, I want to peek in at other people's work. I want to see how their lives are, what their communities are like, how they're supported, what their mutual aid looks like when you're different to me, when you're different to, um, you know, MJ, who's a you know, cis gay man, whatever, whatever we're looking at and moving outside of those bubbles. Um, yeah, more voices, please. I hear that. And to anyone listening, we are looking to acquire more queer and consent books, yeah, yeah. novels, novellas, story <laughs> collections. Please submit them to us. Comics, graphic novels, yeah. uh, weird, uh, anything you can envision mm -hmm. that is queer, smutty, and consensual. That's that's the amount of constraints that there are. And it creates and reflects the world we want to see. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, um, I'm really excited for your book to go out into the world. We're already starting to ship it to our subscribers and to people who oh, pre-ordered yeah. it. It's in some bookstores already, I think. Um, Should be. In the U.S., soon to be in Canada, now that we know we all have those books. Um, so, everyone, please read A Fate Squeeze by Laura Q. 
Mm-hmm. And then go write your own. And envision what how what yours would read like. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.